it was one of the surprise songs of the 1980s, not a song about love and this kind of thing. You know how people like to write songs about love? You know, this is not one of those. But it was still a surprise song in the 1980s. And I see the young ones really aren't here this morning because they're uh, back helping out in the, um, in the fellowship area, in the kitchen and so forth. So I was going to make a reference to the fact that they're going to have to be patient because they probably wouldn't know this song. But I trust that many of you, maybe not all of you, but many of you will at least have heard this song. Um, it's, it's a song that helps us to escape from our everyday problems. Anyone here have any problems you'd like to escape from? Oh, yeah, we hear that. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I'll never forget listening to this song um, during the 1980s. Anyway, in walks a simple, unpretentious man with a little tuft of hair on his chin. I mean, the rest of the works, lyrics are good. Well, it's not far back to sanity. At least it's not for me. And if the wind is right, you can sail away and find serenity. Oh, the canvas can do miracles. Just you wait and see. Believe me. I remember, I'll never forget. Now, I wasn't sailing, but I remember driving down the freeway in central California on I-5. You know, have you ever been on that road, you know, where it's just, I don't know. I mean, I listen to that song. I was dri- driving to see my cousins. I was in Stanford at the time, so I'm in the Bay Area, and I was, remember driving down to see my cousins in Southern California, and I mean, I probably played that song 20 times as I drive down the road, because it's just, just, just like, you know, you know, it's so funny, you know, it's a secular song, but let's be honest, sometimes I think God delights in just human activity and, and the things that we create. There's just a lot of joy in it. And, and, and this song is, uh, gave me a lot of joy and a lot of peace. Um, you're probably right now going to, you're probably going to, the rest of the day going to be hearing that melody. Right? You, ever, you know how that goes, right? You hear a song, you can't get it out of your head. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I hope that it, a, music, a song like that helps you to drift into another world. Uh, Christopher Cross, who wrote that song, uh, gave us a real gift if he asked me. Um, Takes us to another time and place. Easy does it, right? Just kind of ease on out. Ease on out. Nice breeze and freedom. I I remember when I was in college, I took a little sailing course. It's interesting that they gave you a credit for taking sailing uh, in the college I went to. And, um, you know, which I was happy about. I'd never sailed before, but I remember this song was, was playing at that time. This was this song. And I remember getting in that little wobbly-tobbly sailboat. And I'm pretty good at knocking, falling, falling out of boats and so forth, but I kind of get all set, get everything, set out the sail, and easy does it. Come on, come on, come on. And then it's freedom, sense of freedom, sense of freedom. Um, there are times when all of us in life want to be there, when things kind of dump on us, when things are heavy. It happens, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It happens to all of us. Uh, from just an unimaginable different, I mean, there's so many different sources in which, which things can dump on us. And sometimes I think that we, we, we can get so wrapped up in all the present and all the junk, all the stuff that goes around, uh, on around us and in us, that we kind of live in a, an emotional, and I've been there, especially recently, right? An emotional, kinda, I think of it as an emotional garbage dump sometimes, um, and I think it's very interesting that Jesus describes a garbage dump um, as hell, or uses uses this image 
of Gehenna, which is the garbage dump outside of Jerusalem, to, to, uh, to help us understand what hell is. There's a great story. Well, in Sermon on the Mount, I should say, the story I'll give you is a little bit later. The Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus says this. He says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Anyone here have any trouble with relationships? It happens, doesn't it? Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to hell. Gehenna, the word in the Greek is Gehenna, which is the garbage dump outside Jerusalem. You know what's going on in that garbage dump? It's always kind of smoldering. I don't know if you've ever been to any like county dump somewhere where it's so common for a dump to have some, some smoldering fires. It's always stinking and so forth. And when it says, you fool, will be liable to Gehenna. So if you are offering your, your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or your sister, right? That's the idea. And then come and offer your gift. God is so concerned for us to get along with each other. Not just get along, but have healthy relationships. That's what he wants. And in verse 23, and if you have your Bibles, I didn't put anything on the screen today. I did that intentionally. In verse 23, it says, it says so if you, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, it doesn't say um, that you have to be at fault. You know, I mean, you might be at fault because the previous verse says that basically, you know, you are, you, there's times when you are at fault. But it doesn't have to say that you're at fault. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be at fault. It said if your brother has something against you, go love your brother. Go love your sister. Go do that. Go spend time with him. Be reconciled to him or to her. Go after him. Go after her. Um, God's will is for us not to be in the emotional garbage dump. That's a tough one for me because I get there all the time, too often. Uh, but it's not God's will for us. It's not God's will for his church to be in the dump. We belong to an order of joy. I think that's a message that needs to be told to the world. I think that needs to be experienced by the world. I think the world doesn't understand it. I think they see church as being very kind of rigid. It's kind of this place that you go to be told, you know, what not to do when you want to do that thing that you were being told not to do. I think they see the church as being some sort of morally rigid kind of place. Um, but we're called to go out on the open sea and enjoy life. Life should be a joy for us. There's one place and one people that should have great joy and a sense of freedom and being out in the open sea. This is, it. this is it. These are the people because these are God's children in a very real way that the world is not. And all people in a sense are God's children, but there's another sense in which we become part of and are the family of God. Um, and now, I, I intentionally started this message with Cross's song on the on on the sailing because it reminds me that the church is a ship. Or I'll put it say it this way: throughout church history, the church has been likened to a ship, and um, the New Testament talks about this. Actually, the New Testament, of course, doesn't use ships so much as it uses boats. Same basic idea, right? Just smaller. The disciples were fishermen. They spent a lot of time on boats. They spent a lot of time related to fishing. Uh, they mended nets. They searched for fish. Most important of all, they carried our Lord on a boat, on a ship, if you will. 
on a sailing boat, maybe, not really. But nevertheless, they spent time in there. How, how would you like to be on a journey on the water with Jesus? You know something's going to happen, right? We have these stories in the New Testament about things happening in and around Jesus when he's on that, on, on that boat. Um, Jesus is a type of you know, person who's helping us go the right way, do the right things. He gives us directions. He, he gives us orders. But then there was this one great story. It's, it's, it may be my favorite story. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's certainly a great one when Jesus is asleep in the boat. Doesn't even make sense, right? Jesus is asleep on the boat. But he's asleep on the boat. Uh, Matthew tells us this in chapter 8, beginning with verse 23. He says, When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. That shouldn't be happening. Jesus is in the boat with us. There arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the, by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The wind and the waves and the sea. This kind of thing. I mean, this story is about faith, of course, right? We read this story. It's one of our favorite stories in the New Testament. We read this story, and it actually comes in a time where Jesus is doing miracles again and again and again, and this is one of them. And it's like, who's this guy that has like, the ability to like, change, the, change the weather? I mean, this story is about Christ's identity, and it's a story about faith. And the disciples are in the process of coming to believe in him. They're in the process of coming to believe both about him and in him. What, is, what sort of man is this that even wind and sea obey him? And, and so I've got to ask the pastoral question in your own life. What sort of man is Jesus in your own life that wind and sea obey him? Is, is Jesus in your sailing boat? Is Jesus in the boat of your life? You know, he has the power to calm the storms of your life, whether we're talking about emotional stuff, whether we're talking about relationships, whether we're talking about financial problems, or whether we're talking about, you name it. He has the power to calm those things. He does. What sort of man is Jesus that he calms the storms of your life with his word. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I find myself crying out to the Lord and I just want him to speak. Speak, Jesus, speak. Let me hear your voice and I will respond appropriately. Speak, Jesus, speak, speak, that my problems will go away, that I'll get out of all the dumps of my life. Um, is that you sometimes? Well, it's not far down to paradise. At least it's not for me. And if the wind, the ruach of God, the spirit of God, 
is right, if it's doing what it should be doing, you can sail away and find serenity. Oh, the canvas, the Word of God, as soon as the Word of God, the canvas, the Word of God, it can do miracles. Just wait and see. Believe me. Believe me. Um, so do you ever say those things? you ever cry out to God and said, hey, breathe on me, speak to me, breathe on me, speak, Jesus, speak. Set me out to sail on those high seas. Do it for me. You know what? He will. This is not a complicated message today. I don't know if you're going to learn anything today. But it is about the power of God in your life. Jesus wants to speak in your life. He wants you to believe and trust him. So let me ask you, are you willing to let Jesus take you and to carry you? Some of us are more willing to stay in the junk and in the dump that we live in because we know if we actually ask the Spirit of God to blow into our hearts, if we really ask Jesus to get into our boat, we don't know what that voyage is going to be like. There might be a storm that I don't anticipate, and there might be a place that I'm going that I don't want to go to, I don't know about this trip with Jesus. I don't know about getting in the sailboat because there might be some bad things that come my way. And I I think I'd rather stay on the shore, even if it's a little bit smelly, even if it's kind of like a dump. I'd rather stay in my junk and in my dumping ground than I would actually get out in that boat with Jesus and have him take me places that I don't want to go. Is that you sometimes? Do you want to be safe but unhappy, safe but miserable? Is that you? If you're familiar with C.S. Lewis, you might remember that he had, that in his book uh, called Mere Christianity, he uses the analogy of a ship. And actually he uses the analogy of not just one ship, but many ships, multiple ships. Lewis is, 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 uh, is talking about morality in this place. And, and listen to the way that he opens that, ch- that chapter about morality. He says this. He says, there's a story about a schoolboy who was asked what he thought God was like. I wonder sometimes when we, uh, with our children, if we ask them what God is like, what they'll say. Anyway, he replied that as far as he could make out, God was, I love this, I love this, because this is so telling of, uh, of really even of, of so many people in this world. God was the sort of person who is always snooping around to see if anyone is enjoying himself and then trying to stop it. Isn't that the way so many people view the world, or view God, I should say? That God is the one who's snooping around trying to destroy our joy, trying to take it away? And then Lewis goes on, he says, and I'm afraid that this is the sort of idea that the word morality raises in a good many people's minds, something that interferes, something that stops you from having a good time. So Lewis will respond in this whole uh, section by saying, look, that's not what morality is at all. It, it's not for that. It's not to try to ruin your life. Actually, it's to help your life. It's to give you peace. It's to guide you. It's to, it's, it's to help and so forth. And so Lewis gets into this uh, analogy of ships. It's a famous analogy. It's, it's repeated all the time uh, out there. You'll find it online if you want, whatever. Uh, Lewis says this. He says, so, so now let's go a step further. He says, there are two ways in which hu- the human machine goes wrong. Because he's talking about morality and the human machine. How, do you, this, how does the human machine go wrong? One is when human individuals drift apart from one another or else collide with one another, 
and do one another damage by cheating or bullying. You know? It's the very opposite of being meek. You know what Jesus says, the meek shall inherit the earth. Sometimes we are so forceful in our lives that we want to push people out of the way. So, so he says one is when hum, human beings basically bang into each other or ships hit each other. The other is when things go wrong inside the individual, when the in different parts of him, the, his different faculties and desires and so on, either drift apart or interfere with one another. So we're talking about social, socially and internally. He goes on, he says, you can get the idea plain if you think of it as a fleet of ships sailing in formation. The voyage will be a success only one in the first place if the ships do not collide and get in another's way. So that's really like what he was going to talk about or at least what others would refer to as social ethics, the way we get along with each other. Secondly, if the ship is seaworthy and has her engines in good order. So it's one thing to get along with each other, but maybe we're sick. Maybe we're diseased. Maybe the machine inside of us is all messed up. Maybe we've got sin. Maybe we've got problems. Maybe our own personal lives are going down. Uh, we're, we're not going to be seaworthy. We're not going to enjoy the sailing trip if, if, if we're bumping into each other and if we're bumping into ourselves. If we are actually our own problem in that respect, we're, we're, we're not going to enjoy the journey. There's not going to be any joy in that journey. He goes on, he says, as a matter of fact, you cannot have either of these two things without the other. If the ship keeps having collisions, if they keep having collisions, they will not remain seaworthy very long. On the other hand, if the steering gears are out of order, they will not be able to avoid collisions. So th this is the type of illustration that made Lewis a popular in his day. He was a very, very popular writer, being a philosopher out of Oxford who, who was an atheist who became a Christian and began to speak and use illustrations like this in order to help people understand the basics of life and the basics of living with God. You know, it all makes sense, right? There are rules for sailing. There are rules for living. I can tell you right now that there's a right way to sail and there's a wrong way to sail. There's a right way to enter into a relationship with someone and there's a long, wrong way to enter into a relationship with someone. There's a right way to have a marriage and there's a wrong way to have a marriage. But no matter how good of a sailor you are, no matter how good you are in relationships, there are things that are going to happen that are outside of your control. It's going to happen. It's a guarantee. Jesus is in the boat, right? With you as Christians, we know that Jesus is in the boat. But it's a guarantee that the storms of life are going to come. No way around it. It's part of the journey. It's going to happen. I'd love to be able to share Jesus Christ with people and, and, and be able to say, hey, now that you are in Jesus, and this is a mistake some evangelists make. They at least imply this sometimes. Now that you're on this journey with Jesus, it's going to be okay. It's going to be smooth sailing. It's not smooth sailing sometimes. The storms come. It isn't. You know, I've got to tell you that the enemy wants to take us down, and one of the ways that he's going to take us down is by, by getting good people, good people to run into each other. I'm very concerned about this, even in our church, and because I love you, because I love all of you. God loves all of you. We can be the sweetest most faithful, wonderful people, but sometimes unexplainable things happen and we run into each other on the sea of life. And if you've found yourself running into someone 
care if it's that other person's fault or not. It doesn't matter to me. But if you've found yourself running into someone in the church, maybe someone in the church is like sandpaper to you. It happens. Maybe you don't like that person's personality, but he or she's in the church. If you find yourself running into that person, then go to that brother or sister. Say, hey, I love you. Friend, how can I pray for you? And better yet, better than that, sometimes sometimes it's this. It's like, not just friend, how can I pray for you? But friend, would you pray for me? Because I have problems of my own. I'm not perfect. I want the Lord to speak into me and show me because I love you. Would you love me? Would you go there with me? I'll never remember, I'll never forget, I should say, I'll never forget preaching a sermon on that passage in Matthew 5 that I read for you. I was in a church in... um, I was in a church in uh, St. Louis, and uh, it was a great little church. And uh, the Lord just spoke to me about the fact that that passage, oh yeah, it's about at the times when we do things wrong to other people, but you know what? what Jesus' heart is way more about that other person. That even if we're completely in the right, Jesus says, Go to him or her for her or his salvation is at stake. Our heart should be so more concerned about others than it is ourselves that we always put others first. That's called love. You should be more concerned, I should be more concerned, we all should be more concerned with the person sitting next to us in the pew than we are us, than we are me. Because love is always going out. You see? I'll, I'll just never forget preaching that sermon in, in, in St. Louis and there was an, uh, a, a wonderful woman who came to me and just, it's just one of those things that struck me. She just said, Pastor, what a sermon. I've never heard that before. It's not because I'm trying to tell you I'm special. It's not. It's just this idea that, wow, those people in the world, people in our churches, they don't understand that the person sitting next to you in the pew is, is, should be the person that we really reach out to. That that's God's heart, you see. So, going with Lewis here, there is the... Uh, Bumping into other ships. <laughs> There's the breaking and tearing within us, put it that way. But there's also the voyage, our destination. Do you know why I read from Revelation 21 about the Holy City? I hope you know that, right? Why I opened, it, opened this message with that? I go there. I opened with that because. The holy city is our destination. That's where we're going. That's where the boat is taking us. That's where the wind is driving us. That's where the breath of God 
breathing into our lives. And isn't it interesting that, that humanity becomes humanity in Genesis when the Spirit of God blows into the human being? It says that, the, that, the, that he becomes, he and she, they become a living nephesh, a living being, a living soul. When the Spirit of God blows into us. And the Spirit of God blow, blew into us a long time ago, but he blew into us, and he's still blowing. And he's blowing now to take us somewhere, and that, that somewhere is the holy city. When you proceed through Revelation, John shows us the holy city. He gives us this great description in Revelation 21 that I, that I read. And then when you get at the, almost, almost the very end of the book, in verse 14 of chapter 22, the last chapter of the book, he says, Blessed are those who wash their robes. Isn't that interesting? That, that, that we have a responsibility and a duty to wash our own robes. That, that God cleans us up. But don't forget, you and I both have, have a responsibility to get into the, the bathtub. That we got to get in the water. And we have to wash our robes. You see this kind of thing? That wash ourselves, wash our robes, so that they may have the right to the tree of life. And if they may enter, they may enter the city by the gates. Can't get in the city when you're filthy and dirty. Not in that city. See, the church is never designed to be full of sin and unholiness. The church, which is, which is the city of God, the, the New Jerusalem coming down, the city of, 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 of New Jerusalem is coming down and, it, and will come down. It's, it's both and, it's present and future. The city of God is coming down and that's our destination and yet we're already here and yet we're not here. It's the already but not yet. We are entering into the city and you can't get into the city. You can't get to the destination. You can't sail there until you yourself, until we ourselves get into the water. Maybe there's a baptism image here, huh? But until we get in the water and wash our own robes, wash ourselves, clean us up as God says, yes, take that sponge, wash here, wash there. I'm with you. I'll help you. Let's get cleaned up so we can be together. But it's only when we do that, take action as God helps us that we fully enter in. Jesus wants that for you. I want that for you. Because I really love you. <laughs> Lord Jesus, kind of a crazy message, huh? Talking about sailing. But I trust, Lord, that the word of God, that your word has been in this. I trust that some of us, maybe all of us, needed to hear this. That we never take our eyes off your great love and the destination that you have for us. But may we also go to one another and continually pray and work for healthy relationships. And we know, Lord, that there are going to be times when we can't control it. <laughs> we just can't, because sometimes people just need to get healthy themselves. But I ask, Lord, that you would help us to do whatever we can to love our brother and sister, 
bless our time as we do this ministry fair. I pray, Lord, that you would use that to build relationships. Because we're going to be together for a very, 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 very long time. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.